Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading. Series 4 Wrap-Up. So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a... Grim Reading! Hello, and welcome to our CODA episode for this series, the Series 4 Wrap-Up Party. This is the, the true series finale here. Right here. Right right here. You came to the right place. Right now. Well, unless uh, this happens to be your first time listening to us, in which case you've come to the wrong place. <laughs> oh, whoops. Please turn around. Where should they go? Uh, try another episode, any other episode. Just not this one. Just not. You're not welcome here. <laughs> Just go back to Red Riding Hood and then uh, join us once you've heard that. Excellent. Now they've gone. Uh, what, what's on the agenda? It's quite an aggressive start to the episode. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> well, we've got a jam-packed episode coming up. We've got a deleted scene, or like oh, oh, deleted oh. audio, from our Red Riding Hood episode. We'll also be reading some listener messages we've received throughout the series. We've got a musical announcement, and we'll be unveiling our future plans as well. Wow, some of these are surprising me. But first up, we've got the main event. It's time for Story Stats. Story Stats. I'm going to reveal the winners and losers of Series 4. Which Grim Reading stories came out on top and which simply didn't deliver? I don't even know the answer. Well, no, because otherwise this would be pointless. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to finding out. In series four of Grim Reading, 13 Brothers Grimm stories have battled it out for top prize to win the season. Adam and I mark each story we hear out of 10 for a possible maximum score of 20 points. So 20 points are available to each story. Previous series winners include Puss in Boots, Gambling Hansel, might have overscored that one, and Hansel and Gretel. Yes. So those are the previous winners. Okay, of each series. Yeah. Interesting. Why did we do 13? That's a weird number, isn't it? How come we did 13? As in, how come we've read 13? Yeah, it would normally be like a multiple of four. Oh. I'm not sure how that has happened. Wow, a baker's dozen of stories. I like it. (laughs) Oh. It's probably because we added Little Red Riding Hood as an extra one on the end. Right. So it would have been so 12. So it would have been 12, a nice round yeah. 12. Instead, we got the Baker's Instead Dozen. we got the Baker's Dozen. Yeah, nice. Now, in Series 4, a total of 153 points were awarded. Ooh. You dished out 77, and I dished out 76. Whoa, we are so <laughs> evenly matched. But, Adam, where did we bestow those hallowed points? Let's find out. Starting with the lowest scorers of the series. Now, I was going to do like the bottom three and the top three, but um, four stories in series four got less than 10 points. So we're going to do a bottom four. Okay. So all the stories in single digits. Yeah, that's fairly rare. So to have four in one series. Mm. Oof. 
in fourth to last place. It was wacky, it was whimsical, but ultimately made absolutely no sense. With 9.5 points, we have Little Brother and Little Sister. It's a very recent one. It's fresh in the memory, that one. And right, that's rightful. It's rightful place, I that think. Feel, that feels about right. It does. Mm. Pretty harsh, 9.5, but yeah. it didn't make any sense at all. No. Yeah. In third to last place... With nine points, we have the 12 Huntsmen. What happened in that one? I can't even remember the story. Sexist Lion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Need we say more? That's it. So much potential, though, with a name like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Sexist Lion, no. No, Third to to last, I think that's about right. All right, okay, so we're on to a winner so far. (laughs) Well, let's see if we can keep that up. In second to last place, we have... The Fox and the Geese. Yeah. With 8.5 points. Barely a story, really. Wasn't the foxy story we were looking for, was it? No. It wasn't the story we were looking for. Well, yeah, you were not won over by the poetic cliffhanger ending, were you? And when they are done praying, the story shall continue. (laughs) But where's the rest of the story, Matt? If it says the story will continue, but it never continues, that's a lie. All right, so that feels right to you then? That definitely feels right. Okay. What was that, 8 or 8.5? 8.5. 8.5, okay. Yeah. I gave the lower one in that one, I think. Do you want to know individual scores? You gave that 3.5. There you go. And and you, I, that means you gave it 5. I gave it 5, yeah. That's too high, man. <laughs> well, I, don't know, I wouldn't go there. I think, I think actually that's quite a reasonable score. that's fair, yeah. I bought into the, the poetic ending. Yeah, I didn't. Thank you. No, you really didn't. <laughs> Which means the lowest scoring story of the series, the absolute worst story. I feel like maybe you know. There's I know a knowing exactly look in your eye. Okay. which one this is. Receiving a grand total of zero points, yeah. nil point. Yeah, it's the good bargain, which automatically makes it the lowest scoring story of the yeah. whole podcast. Absolutely, yeah. The The next lowest scorer was seven points, I think. Wow. It's a big drop-off. And that was the Hare's Bride, which is now no longer the lowest scoring oh, story. Oh, that, that's nice. Something good came of this, yeah. It was anti-Semitic, yeah. essentially. That's why it got no points. It was a total minefield for us, sort of deciding how to approach it. I mean, ultimately, it gave us the opportunity to like interrogate the Grimm's own views on this, yeah. which was ultimately encouraging, I think. Uh, and also we looked at the Grimm's fairy tales in Nazi Germany, which is something right from the very start of Grimm reading mm. that I was aware of and I thought about doing because that's a part of the story of the fairy tales, like how sure. the Nazis co-opted them. So it's taken a long time, but we did get around to it. Thanks to the good bargain. Uh, and a big thank you to Rachel O'Brien. Yes. helping uh, me look into all that as well. Seems like you're pretty happy with that lowest list there. Yeah, there's nothing I'd really change about that. No. No. <laughs> no regrets. No regrets. So that takes us on to the winners of the series. Excellent. Now, only three stories got over 15 points this series. So without further ado, here are the top three. In third place... With 15.5 points, 
It's the little peasant. Yeah, what happens? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Right, no, no. Agreed. I was surprised that that was in third place. (laughs) What What happens in the little peasant? Well, I've written here in my notes, trickery, mass murder, squeaky ravens. I still don't know. (laughs) Squeaky ravens, surely. So it's the one, it's sort of like the non-racist version of the good bargain. It's where the peasant, he gets his wooden calf and then... Oh, of course, the little peasant. The little peasant. The one with the biggest mystery that has taken us forever to solve. Yes, but that's only been uh, playing out in our Grim Fables. Oh, whoops. So regular listeners wouldn't understand what that is. Oh, they'll have to go to our Patreon to find out. Do you want to explain maybe instead? Well, there was an interesting part of that story where... A calf is made for this couple out of wood by yeah, a the peasant and his lovely, wife. lovely carpenter man, and taken out to graze, and it doesn't come home because it's a wooden calf. They go back out; it's no longer there. It's not real. So where did it go? Yeah, and that's the mystery that we tried to solve because it wasn't resolved in the story. Not at all. A listener pointed it out to us, gave yeah. us five theories. And we've spent the last six months yeah. looking into it <laughs> yeah. in our uh, patron podcast. Honestly, it's taken over um, my life. But yes, I may, you do remember it now. I and do then remember he now. goes to the miller's house. He's got the raven in the bag. Yeah. All that. And then he drowns the entire village at the end. Yes, that's it. Because they went into the underwater to get some sheep or something. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. Is it feeling like a third place or now, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. That was a good story. It, it was good. It was pretty wacky. It's quite wacky, but I love a wacky one. You do? Yeah. I feel like perhaps Bazile helped there with um, the buddy. Was well, in that I was going to say there were, I think, maybe two mm-hmm. additional um, similar versions that we heard in the episode that were also fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was okay. I mean, I, I, was, I was surprised that was in third place. I think it was an early episode as well, so maybe we were quite just excited to be listening to Grim Stories again. Yeah. Mm. What was its score, sorry? 15.5. 15.5. So, I mean, it's top three, but it's not... It's not crazy high. No, it's it's so, not, actually. I think that's fair. All right, okay. Okay. Moving on. Mm-hmm. In second place, with 16.5 points, Reanimated Corpses, Hammered Devils, Grumpy St. Peter... It's Brother Lustig. Brother Lustig. Brother Lustig. Honestly, if if it's not a number two, it should be a number one. That's such a good story. I love that story. Amazing story. So good. It's got a like a proper twist ending that's like genius. Yeah. It's got weird stuff in it, like St. Peter climbing in through a window. Love that. It's kind of funny and oh, it's it's a great story. It's a proper adventure, that one. It is, yeah. Well, and that is accurately reflected in your score. Yeah. Less in mine. Oh, come on. Individual scores for that. You gave it a nine. I gave it a 7.5. Matt, and how are you feeling now? Not good. (laughs) Would you have given it more? Yeah, yeah. I even said as much in the episode. Oh, no. I said I want to give it a nine, and I ended up saying 7.5. What went wrong? I'm just a madman. What went wrong? I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. Something malfunctioned there. <laughs> yeah. I think at least an eight that yeah. deserved. Oh, definitely. But yeah, I gave it a 7.5, which is the same score I gave the little peasant. Ooh. Yeah. 
So again, following your lead here, Adam, you are really <laughs> keeping this ship on course. This series, uh, there's no, there's no getting around it. I'm in charge. That leaves one more spot, Adam. Number one. Number one. Ah, number one. In first place, the undisputed winner of series four. Get that fanfare ready with 18 points. It's the one and only. Little Red Riding Hood. Of course it is. Rightful, uh, rightful place, though. It, it, it couldn't be anything. It couldn't be anything else, no. Yeah. 18 points, nine apiece for the little girl in a world of trouble. Yeah, that's fair. That's a fit, And that's the last one as well. That's a fitting end. We went out on a high. We did go out on a high. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 18. Because that's the thing. that mm-hmm. Places three and two... Are high scores, but not like drastically high no, scores. No, it's 15.5. That's a legitimately 16. high score. Yeah. 18. Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know what's on the stat menu, but it would be good to know where some of these scores fit overall with the podcast. Oh, that that is on the menu. Excellent. Yes. Uh, but I, I've got some more stats on series four just to get through first. Yeah. We'll save that for dessert. If oh. that's all right. Oh, I love dessert. Love this metaphor. <laughs> so, as I said, only three stories got over 15 points. Now, uh, to put that in perspective, six stories got over 15 points in series three. And in series two, nine stories got over 15 points. Wow. Yeah. So, only three this time. Yes. We've been more drastic. Well, e- either we've been more muted in our scoring, or there haven't been that many bangers. Hmm. I think it's a little column A, a little column B. Yeah, possibly. I mean, one surprise from Series 4 is that Beauty and the Beast only got 12 points. Wow. It's right in the mid- middling in the table. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's on both of us, isn't it? It's not one or the other. Well, I think it's on Beauty and the Beast, less than yeah, you okay. and I. I don't think we were wrong about that. Yeah, that was a story of some promise and yeah. was a little bit of a letdown. The average score yeah. was... 11.7. That's low. Now, if you remove the good bargain, because no. that's an outlier, it goes up to 12.7. Still pretty low. Still pretty low. The Series 3 average score was 13.7. So the average score dropped by two points, or by one if you remove the good bargain. Okay. So quite hefty. That is quite big. Do you... Th- are you going to lay that squarely at my feet, or do you take a little no. bit of the blame? There's no blame apportioned. Oh, no, no, yeah, no, okay, blame. Fine, fine. no blame culture here at Grim Reading. Such a guilty, fearful <laughs> conscience Adam's got. What is it? The wicked, the wicked flee where no man pursueth. No blame at all. No, no. it's only a place of, of encouragement and care here. Yeah, uh, inclusivity. I, I think our average scores were pretty similar. Yours was 6.4. Mine was 6.3. What was the first stat you gave? And we were 0.1 out. Was that not the average score? No, that was total points awarded. Oh, that was it. That's even more impressive because that's not even averaged. Yeah, that's true, actually. That's cool. But I was slightly, uh, slightly lower on the average, but they were pretty negligible, really. Same average score and the same total points awarded. Yeah. Ah. It's nice to be in, in agreement. 
even if we're not always in agreement. Well, well and also, I, I mean, I don't want to go too deep into the stats, but I, like, our scores were very different that we gave. We didn't often give the same score. No, and actually, that's a feature, I think, more of this series than previous ones, because we tend to be quite similar. And uh, we've discussed <laughs> several times about how easily swayed I can be. <laughs> and I feel like, no, I stuck to my guns this series. Yeah, you did. I mean, I really felt my scoring was an absolute mess. <laughs> no, no, no. You were like the backbone of the scoring this season. Well, thank you. Totally. Well, speaking of which, um, we always like to share how many nines were given out. That's quite an important number. Yeah. You gave out two nines. Two nines. That's insane. Yeah. You only gave one last series. And I gave one nine. So I was more generous than you. You were. Double as ninety generous. Whoa. We both gave a nine to Red Riding Hood. Of course. And you gave a nine to Brother Lustig. Of course. I'm imagining you're very happy with that I'm state of I'm really happy with that. I stand by that. <laughs> no regrets. And now I think that might be my biggest regret. Uh, it's Brother Lustig. It's quite the story, isn't it? It really is. Wow. I don't think it has universal acclaim in all quarters. No. From sort of anecdotal feedback I've got. But listeners not enjoying it quite as much as as us. Yeah, mm. not to the same extent. <laughs> well, they're wrong. <laughs> and apart from Red Riding Hood, I didn't go above seven point five. Well, so that's a proper outlier for you, then. Yeah, but I mean, that, I mean that's unprecedented. Yeah, highest score seven point five yeah. for me in a series. I'm usually very effusive and enthusiastic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm thought I was more um, I would normally ha- hang out in the middle yes. all my scores clustered together and you would go very high when it felt right and very low and I would just sort of mm-hmm. always give mediocre scores that's totally flipped on its head well if that's true yeah the reverse has been true this series yeah. however I'm wondering if that is perhaps a bit of a narrative in your head <laughs> it probably is <laughs> the numbers don't actually reflect exactly, it yeah, yeah. one yeah. Bit, yeah I'll do some proper number crunching and get to the bottom of that absolutely Forensic data analysis, yeah. Um, a little more data for you. Oh, yes, please. Yum, we yum, yum. Absolutely ruined the one-hour barrier this series. <laughs> I didn't know there was such a thing. Well, I used to be, behind the scenes, quite adamant that episodes should in no way ever be longer this than is an, an inf- hour. This is an informal rule, yeah. Yeah, this was an informal rule. This was just me screaming <laughs> behind the curtains. Preferably, I wanted 30, 40 minutes. I feel like that's the ideal episode length. Yeah. Um, And when we started series four, genuinely my plan was to cut down my notes and the word count to get them lower. Yeah. But that all went totally out the window. And we had um, six episodes that went over an hour long, this series. So that's, I mean, essentially half. And actually, the average episode length... Um, if you exclude our Christmas episode, was exactly 60 minutes. Wow. It's kind of nice That's round pretty good. number there. Yeah. Mm. I think it de- it's subjective, I think, mm. the ideal length of a podcast episode. I think... I think I just worry people will get bored, maybe. <laughs> there is that risk. Although I'm just worried I'm waffling, probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can tell me I'm not, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is no... I think it depends. What, uh, if, I'm, if I'm waffling on it? No, no, I don't think you're waffling. But I think if you're enjoying mm. an episode enough, 
it doesn't matter if it goes on for two hours. No. I don't think there is some universal sort of perfect podcast length. Agrees. Yeah, you're right. So as long as they're absolute bangers of episodes. So what if it's an hour and 20 minutes? Which was the length of Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> and which we gave 12. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. And I think if anything, by the end of this series, I've chilled out a little bit about that hour barrier. That's good. Yeah. How do you feel now? Sat here right now. Chilled. Chilled. Good. Chill. Well chill. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's story stats for, for series four. That's what I got for you. Now, Adam, it's time for the overall rankings. I know you were excited for that. Yes. Dessert is up. Now, perhaps surprisingly, uh, given the kind of muted nature of the scoring, the overall rankings have been a little shaken up by that. So... Yeah. And there I'm referring to all the stories we've reviewed in the whole of Grim Reading over four series, which is 79 stories 79 now. stories. Wow. Little Red Riding Hood leaps into joint second place with Hansel and Gretel. Oh, that's, now that's good company. That's elite tier. That's what a double nine gets you. Yeah. And they are only surpassed by Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots! Puss in Boots! The one and only legend. Top three is now Little Red Riding Hood, Hansel and Gretel, and then Puss in Boots. I mean, obviously, Puss in Boots was a, a kind of a, a shock upset at the time. It came out of nowhere. Came out swinging. Straight to the top. But in terms of the rest of the top three... Not in the least bit surprising, is it really? No. Hansel and Gretel and Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah. I think that's fair. I, I could have I could have guessed those before you even started <laughs> yeah. the podcast. Tell me we've been wasting our time. <laughs> Damn it. Um it was a little bit of uh, a little bit of controversy last year with Puss and Boots. We did clear that up at the start of series four as well, fortunately. Yeah. So that's all smoothed out. So that's a nice happy top three there. Yeah. Down in the doldrums, oh dear. The good bargain becomes our lowest scoring story obviously as already mentioned yeah which means the hair's bride is no longer our official worst story we've ever had congratulations hair's bride that's always been a bit uh of an upset for us been a bit upsetting for us yeah i think so that is a potential source of regret i think it just took an incredibly offensive story (laughs) to to, to write that wrong well, there you go. There's your uh, there's your story stats. Um, I'll uh, I'll try and update the website so you can see the overall winners if you want to look at the whole uh, ranking of all our stories. But um, that was series four. story stats um what's next well next up we have a uh, little red riding hood deleted scene i'm calling it a deleted scene that's probably not quite the right term um, for it what would you call it i don't know bonus audio nailed it yep we've got some little red riding hood bonus audio some little red riding hood deleted scene bonus audio now it was 
uh, Little Red Riding Hood was very difficult, I'd say, to turn into an episode. Mm. Uh, there's so much on it, so much around it. And there was so much debate around it as well, I found. In the end, I decided to, to mostly focus on the development of the story. So, you know, we had the Grimm's one, then we went into Charles Perrault's one, and then the folktale version, and then the wider connection to The Wolf and the Seven Little Kids, and how that opens it up into a global story. And all that was a lot to get through anyway. But in the recording, after that, I then shared with you some theories as to what the story is all about. Yes, you did. So we'd learned the origins, but like, what does it mean? What does it all mean? <laughs> what does it all mean? Well, <laughs> you had some ideas. I th- they weren't my ideas. Oh, yeah, sure. Again, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I say that in the clip. You actually, actually do. Wow, okay. Brilliant. <laughs> It's a little sneak preview of the sneak preview. <laughs> it's a reference. It's a callback to something that no one's even heard. Yeah. Oh, but speak. Yeah. So speaking of episode lengths, you know, when I was editing Little Red Riding Hood, and it was well over that hour mark, it was getting on for an hour and twenty. So I decided to cut that part. It kind of all still hung together quite nicely. Yeah. But it's a shame to waste some good research and knowledge. Absolutely. And some mad theories. So now here we can share that audio. On the meaning of Little Red Riding Hood. Take it away, Matt and Adam, from the past. Prepare to hear some mad theories. The clip is around uh, ten minutes long, so uh, we'll see you back here after. See you in a bit. That's the history of the story, but what does it mean? But what does it mean? What does it mean? Well, uh, psychoanalysts... Love a good fairy tale. Okay. And they've got some mad theories. Oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> I know you hate these. <laughs> One of which is that Little Red Riding Hood is a story about male womb envy. Matt. Yeah? Are you starting with the best one? Open mind, open mind. Okay. okay. Right. So it's sort of like a battle of the sexes where the wolf is suffering from womb envy. The male figure in the story, the wolf, assumes the role of a pregnant woman. He dresses up as a woman in the nightgown. What? And then he fills his belly with living things. And in his final comeuppance, in the Grimm's at least, is that the girl fills his belly with sterile stones, which kill him. It's like the punishment's fitting the crime. So, like, oh, you want a baby, huh? Oh, how do you like this baby? Stone baby. <laughs> Am I gone mad? <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, what you're trying to tell me... Is that the wolf is pregnant with grandma. And Little Red Riding Hood, yeah. <laughs> but don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> Who else am I going to shoot? Nobody. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point, actually. What? Okay. Uh, Bruno Bettelheim, quite a famous author, he suggested yep. that the wolf represents our animalistic tendencies and like sexual nature. That's another psychoanalytical. I can see that. Yeah. that. That's not a stretch. Okay, so next theory. There's an old-fashioned folkloristic view uh, was that fairy tales are solar myths. Something we come across before. Mm-hmm. It's the idea that uh, fairy tales are secular ancestors of ancient rituals and beliefs. That they like contain echoes of a pagan past. Which is a valid view, but uh, lots of Victorians took it too far. Yeah. So they see fairy tales as like 
as like metaphorical versions of what's happening in the heavens. So there's the idea that the red hood in the story is the sun. Okay. The wolf is the darkness who swallows the light, which reemerges at dawn when it's cut out of the belly. Okay. Or maybe it's like Red Riding Hood, the red is summer and the wolf is winter. Or so, stuff like this. What's grandma? Well, yeah. And what's the huntsman? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. No. Uh, and this has connections to other swallowing myths as well. Swallowing myths? Such as uh, Jonah and the whale. Yep. Such as the uh, myth of Cronus, who is the father of Zeus. Now, Cronus, he used to eat his offspring. But when Zeus was born, he was swapped out for a stone. And Zeus's father ate a stone and then he died. Wow. And uh, all of Zeus's siblings, like Poseidon and Hera, they all came, came out. out of the father. Which is quite strikingly uh, similar to it this. Similar, yeah. As well, there's also in Norse uh, Viking mythology, there's the wolf Skull. And it's foretold that he will swallow the sun at Ragnarok, which is the end of the world. Right. So there's a, a Norse myth about a wolf swallowing the sun. Maybe, therefore, that means Red Riding Hood's the sun. I don't know. Okay, interesting. Like yeah. Yeah. And before Ragnarok, yeah. does the wolf just quickly swallow a grandma? <laughs> <laughs> then it totally maps out. Yeah. Well, the problem with this is that, or like the idea that she's the sun and the wolf's the night, it's all based on the um, Grimm story where she's cut out of the wolf's belly. Yeah. But as we've seen in the oral original proper folk tale it wasn't the case it's not the case yeah also that uh, the red hat probably wasn't part of the uh, the folk story yeah uh, there's a fascinating theory that uh, maybe the Grimm's one is intended as an anti-French parable where the red cap is a reference to the bonnets rouge the red liberty cap which is associated with the French revolution now, if you historicize the Grimm story, and also that other German one I mentioned earlier, the play by Ludwig Tieck, both of which were published when Germany was under occupation by Napoleon, perhaps their versions were shaped by anti-French sentiment. The Red Cap, or the Red Riding Hood, a very obvious connection to the Red Caps of the French revolutionaries, of whom Napoleon was a child. Does that make sense? Have I summed that up enough? I don't want... Okay, what I'm not understanding then is the red cap is worn by little red cap. And so in this analogy, she is on the side of Napoleon. It falls apart as soon yeah, as you I even don't remotely that. look so at it. So the Germans are the wolf. What? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Okay. Well, I think one... Well, the, the guy who came up with this theory, he said like, uh, oh, maybe it's that, you know, because the French were trying to spread their ideas of like egalité, liberté, fraternity, fraternity yeah. um, but very violently spread those ideas. Yeah. And maybe it's like, you know, the young Germans are seduced by these revolutionary ideas, but then ultimately the, uh, the revolution eats its children. Actually, if you like follow that, it'll end badly. Something like that. Okay. I don't know. I felt okay. very hard down the Liberty Cap rabbit hole. Yep. It's absolutely fascinating. It's not something I'd heard about before. No, me neither. We don't have time. I'll save it for Grim Fables. Okay. Just bump everything to the Patreon podcast. <laughs> okay, finally, Adam, here's a theory for you. So, 
perhaps it's a sort of uh, it's uh, about becoming a woman. It's about growing up. It's about initiation. There's a generational thing with the women. You've got a grandmother, a mother, and a daughter. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could think like Snow White. We could see that as a kind of competitive intergenerational conflict. The mother is sending the daughter into danger. The girl sends the wolf to the grandmother. That's one way of looking at it. Okay. But also maybe it's a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. The girl is symbolically leaving home and taking over from her grandmother. She's becoming a woman. Okay. She leaves home, goes through a trial and emerges out the other side. And maybe the pins and needles of the folk story represent the domestic work done by women. You go down that path. Interesting. I guess it's slightly confusing that the, there's almost a generation gap because the mother plays a fairly minor role in the story. Mm, mm-hmm. And it's really between the, the, the daughter and the, and the grandma. But perhaps that's because the mother's still sort of in the middle. You've got the grandmother who's on her way out and the daughter... On her way in. On her way in, Yeah. Okay, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. Well, this is um, a, uh, an idea that uh, Jack Zipes subscribes to. He's a um, noted uh, fairy tale professor. He's quite well known. Interviewed on this podcast. Yeah, good little pug. Yeah. And he also thinks that a crime has been committed against Little Red Riding Hood. He's quite scathing in his view that um, Perot uh, turned what essentially was a story about a, a girl coming of age into a story about um, sort of sexual violence, predatory yeah. men, and then the brothers Grimm, they fully transformed her into a defenseless little girl who needs the huntsman's protection. Right. And they also made it her fault. You know, she's preyed upon by the wolf because she acted badly. Yeah. You know, it's your fault that you've done this because you went off the path. You went against the prohibition. Yeah. So it kind of becomes a story about girls, you know, stick to the path, don't be adventurous do the things you want to do but actually as a folk story it wasn't like that at all and quite fascinating how modern adaptions of red riding hood are often all about like empowering the girl you know to take on the wolf by herself yeah but that's exactly what the original folktale was before it was taken by these literary writers who kind of took it and twisted it into something else the girl originally took on the wolf on her own yeah which is pretty cool. That is, oh, no, that is a good point. You started that last point by saying that um, Jack Sipes feels that a great crime has been committed against Little Red Riding Hood. And I was going to say, yeah, of course it has. <laughs> She's been eaten. <laughs> so oh, it's yeah. been a murder attempt. I'd say it's a pretty big crime. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think in his words, he actually said it's a double crime has been committed. I see. He's, like, he's counted that one. He's yeah, thought yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, smart. I shouldn't <laughs> I shouldn't have thought any less of yeah, Jack Sipes. She's been through the ringer. She certainly has. So, yeah, a lot of theories uh, coming at you there thick and fast. Yeah. But there we go. We've got uh, some weird psychological ones. Solar myth, liberty cap, and growing up. There you have it. Thanks, guys. Male womb envy. Don't know. I think that was Adam's favourite theory. No, it wasn't. Well, I mean, if that wasn't enough, Little Red Riding Hood for you, we've got even more extras coming up in our June Grim Fables. Mm -hmm. 
I'll be sharing a Chinese version of the story. We'll be looking into an alternative origin theory, and also Thor will be making an appearance. And plenty more besides. We are drowning in red cap content. <laughs> it's the gift that keeps giving. Oh, well, I look forward to that. Yeah. I think that's going to be quite good fun, actually. Yeah, it sounds good. Throughout the series, we've received lots of lovely messages from listeners, so we thought now's a good time to share a few. First up, a message on Little Red Riding Hood getting undressed. Hello. This is a message from Ben Clark, who's one of the hosts of uh, Battle Royale podcast. Fellow Rexy Pod. Fellow Rexy Pod. Uh, they rank the kings and emperors of France. Excellent. Now, Ben heard us getting excited about Red Riding Hood getting undressed. Speak for yourself. Uh, and on Instagram he wrote, little explanation. It would not have been weird for Red Riding Hood to undress and hop into bed with grandmother in the 17th century wow. because, this was common <laughs> because this was common practice at the time. The world was in a mini ice age and there wasn't much in the way of heating, so family members, especially children and the elderly, would often sleep together in the same bed, simply because it could mean life or death, especially when beds in blankets were a more finite resource for most people before they were mass-produced in the Industrial Revolution. So, basically, 300 or so years ago, getting into bed wasn't a euphemism for sex. It was just something you did with your mates. It would only be scandalous if they were of the opposite sex and not related, e.g. the wolf. Important bit of historicization yeah. there. Thank you, Ben. Okay. Yeah. I remember reacting to that little bit of the story and thinking, that's weird. I don't like that at all. But I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Um, that's an interesting bit of context. It, it does change things. I think when you historicize it, you think, oh, yeah, okay, that makes perfect sense. Totally innocuous to just... Hop into bed with Pop granny. Pop your kit off and jump into bed with granny. Yeah. Totally fine. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Nothing weird about Nothing that. Nothing wrong with that, mate. Carry mm. on. Fill your boots. Thank you for the message, Ben. That yeah. was an uh, interesting reading. Um, and here I'd also like to give a shout out to uh, another Rexy pod, the God versus God podcast, where they pit ancient gods against each other. I told them I'd give a shout out as well. So there you go. Over the summer, you've got a uh, battle royale. And God versus oh, God podcast. Got, oh yeah, you've got your your homework <laughs> there. The the Rexy Pod family is just growing all the time, isn't it? I know. It's nice to see. It is, yeah. The more the merrier. Absolutely. Keep them coming. Now, uh I've got a message here. We we've had a few messages on Brother Lustig, specifically on the name Lustig. Yes. Uh if you remember in German, lustig means funny. And Lisa mm -hmm. Marie, our resident uh, German language consultant, she said she'd heard it as a real name, um, but it's not common in Germany. 
Uh, and on the name Lustig, we had this message from Esther in Sweden. Mm. Hi there. I've just been enjoying listening to the wonderful story of Brother Lustig. And I wanted to suggest another non-German origin of his name. Lustig also means funny in Swedish. Mm. Uh, in the past, most Swedish surnames were a version of son of, like Johansson, Eriksson, etc., uh, when soldiers were conscripted, they would be given a new surname, like an official nickname, to distinguish between all those Johanssons. These were often based on personal characteristics like brave, moldig, uh, strong, stuck, uh, and funny, lustig. Uh, so apologies for that terrible pronunciation. Uh, so it would make sense that a discharged soldier would go by the name of Lustig. I think that was good pronunciation. I noticed the name Stark in there. That's, that's one for any Game of Thrones fans out there. Is it? Yeah, I know you've never seen it. No, I've never or seen read it. it. I thought it was the um, Marvel Man. Iron Man? Isn't that yes. His name? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Esther. We I've distracted Adam. Yes. <laughs> wow, well, it's a write-off now. I'm never going to. Yeah, no. Focus, 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 focus. Okay, okay, back to Lustig in Sweden. So, a lot of Swedes emigrated to the US during the Great Utvandring, or, or economic migration of the 1800s, which would account for the occurrence of the name there. Uh, of course, it's entirely possible that the Germans had the same system for soldier names, but I kind of like the idea that Brother Lustig might be a wily Swede. The way the story plays out has a very Swedish feel to it. Our hero tricks his way into heaven because they won't have him in hell. Kindest regards, Esther Pocock, Kungsbacher, Sweden. Thank you very much, Esther. What a great message. What a lovely message. Thank you, Esther. And how interesting that uh, there's a Swedish connection. Um, I'm, I'm guessing from the message she's suggesting that Maybe there's lots of Johanssons and Eriksons. So in the army, to distinguish you between another, people, yeah. you get a nickname. So Lustig became a nickname because it means funny. If someone yeah. was funny, they'd get called Lustig. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. That's really cool. The fact that it also means funny in Swedish is obviously a big linguistic crossover. Yeah. Yeah, presumably. But uh, is, is it only Germany and Sweden? Oh. Thanks for asking that. <laughs> what an excellent question. So apposite. Um, well, that's Lustig in Sweden and Germany. But it gets bigger because we also had a message from W.J. Hayes who says, I've enjoyed listening to your podcast so much so that I joined your Patreon and I'm now working my way through the back catalogue of Grim Fables. Though I think you missed an opportunity by not calling it Aesop's Treetops. I think there's a, some out there that might agree with you. Yeah, I mean, that's a nonsensical in-joke <laughs> but uh <laughs> yes agrees we did miss a trick there thank you Aesop's treetops yeah Aesop's treetops I just wanted to comment on a couple of items from your most recent episodes and Brother Lustig you mentioned that it isn't a common surname in Germany it is a surname in the Czech Republic slash Czechia uh, when I was in college I spent a semester in what was then Czechoslovakia yeah, actually voted to split into two countries while I was there, literally. Wow. Uh, I was in the Parliament's press gallery when the vote occurred. I mean, like, Blimey. literally there. That's wow. incredible. That's amazing. Uh, our advisor on the college's programme in Prague was Joseph Lustig. He's a film director and taught film classes. His father was a gentleman by the name of 
Arnost Lustig. Arnost was a well-known Czech author who wrote primarily about the Holocaust and his experiences in it. A couple of his works were also turned into films. While his artistic works were not exactly fun and frothy, he and his son were incredibly jovial men who tried to enjoy life. In Czech, Lustig means happy, and they lived up to that name. Wow, that's amazing. So we've got funny, funny, and happy in Czech. (laughs) I love that. Brother happy. (laughs) Brother happy. Yeah. I did also have a little Google, and I did see that uh, particularly Arnost Lustig is quite a famous... uh, Oh, wow. Quite a famous writer. Yeah. Thank you, WJ. Fascinating stuff. So much Lustig-related context there. But that's not all from WJ Hayes. Mm. He also had a thought on the six swans. Oh, another story from this series. Yes. Uh, Regarding the six swans, I was surprised there was no comment that at the end of the story, much like in The Twelve Brothers, the king's wicked mother suddenly becomes the king's wicked stepmother. Oh. If you did mention it, I apologise. Uh, I listened to the podcast while on the train heading home, and sometimes bits get drowned out by various train noises. Keep up the good work. Yours, W.G. Hayes. I, I know what you mean. Uh, Thank you for the message. But uh, also, mm. what? Yeah, well, what? is this real? I don't know, because I don't remember that happening in no. the story. But I feel like that's the kind of thing I would pick up on. Yeah, if, if I mean, I don't remember us mentioning that in the no. episode. I don't think train noises were causing problems. If if we let that go, I'm really sorry. Mr. That's Literal terrible. over here, he normally... Standards are slipping if I let that one oh, go. I don't, I don't, I don't. Oh, no, oh, no. But yeah, good spot. Thank you for bringing it to our attention. Yes, thank you very much. Um, now, along similar lines, um, like shedding new light on things we don't understand, we've had a message on a little bit of confusion in The Golden Bird. Now, do you remember, Adam, the famous line in that story? And away he went over stock and stone until his hair whistled in the wind. Yes. Does that ring any bells? Yeah, it does. Real bells or fake bells? Um, not fake bells. Just partial bells. Partial bells. Yeah, okay. I remember saying, what's, what does it mean, jumping over stock? What does that mean? Exactly, right? You asked me that. I fudged an answer. I think I said something like, oh, it's probably a type of fence or something. Just <laughs> just, just rattled off some nonsense you made up on the spot. <laughs> That's not like me. <laughs> well, this message from Jonathan has some illuminating information. Uh-huh. Dear Matt and Adam... You will probably get a lot of doves to the castle because of the latest episode, The Golden Bird. I just wanted to let you know that over stock and stone is über Stock und Stein in German and would simply translate to over stick and stone. So somebody messed up there, but I thought it was funny because I couldn't stop thinking about stock like in broth. You know, maybe they had a good one at the party tavern. Because remember, they were like living at that party. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was picturing as well. You're not alone. I was picturing a big old German (laughs) stock. Mmm, yummy. Jonathan continues, You said something about doing a remix of Overstock and Stone. And hey, good news. There is a famous German children's song with just that saying in it already. What? Somebody beat us to it. I've got a... Well, Jonathan's translated that he's written the lyrics in German and translated them to English. But oh, wow. I want to play you a, 
the original yes. German. The, the nursery rhyme. Yes, yeah, so we can have a listen. Oh, so this is a famous nursery rhyme featuring the line over Uber Stock und Stein. Uber Stock und Stein. Let's have a listen. There's a horse. There you go. So over sticks and stones. So Jonathan's translated in English. It's hop, 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 horsey go gallop, gallop. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> over sticks and over stones. Don't break your legs. Hop, 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 horsey go gallop. <laughs> why, why, uh, why imploring a horse not to break its legs? Don't break your legs, or <laughs> don't break your. It's like. Go hopping over the sticks and the stones. By the way, don't break your legs. <laughs> Sleep well. What's that all about in kids' nursery rhymes? You've got uh, Humpty Dumpty. He's he's fallen over and breaking his head. It's, Did it's... he break his head? Well, something broke his crown. That was Jack and Jill. That's See? Jack and Jill broke What's his this? head. What's going on, Adam? Um, in children's yeah, nursery true. rhymes. There's a lot of violence, isn't there? <laughs> Sorry, just to finish up Jonathan's message before yeah. we go down a weird <laughs> rabbit hole. Uh, with this said, thank you for your podcast, Jonathan from Hamburg, Germany. Oh, thank you very much, Jonathan. Thank you for that message. Fantastic. And yeah, we don't need to make a remix now because there's already no, a song out been there. been done presumably by a couple of hundred years. Fitness <laughs> to it. Um, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Stick and stock. The I is right next to the O on the keyboard. Was it a typo? <laughs> I mean, when did QWERTY come in? <laughs> I don't know. The the version we use is a Victorian era translation, so they had QWERTY by then. Did they? No, probably not. I don't know. Maybe. Why or would? Shall I Google it? When did QWERTY come in? QWERTY came in July the first, eighteen seventy four. Whoa, that's Victorian. Really trawling through the recesses of my brain. I think the translation we use is from 1885. That's post-Qwerty, Matt. It's post. It's in a post-Qwerty world. <laughs> yeah, it's so, entirely possible. So it's entirely possible that they hit the O instead of the I. If it was a typo, it means they've gone to change it to stick on their Qwerty, yeah. and they've just hit O again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just a waste of time. <laughs> Just going to correct these yeah. stocks to sticks. Stick. Oh no, it's gone back to stock. Oh no. no. You see, that's where the invention of autocorrect came in in 1893. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, so much to discuss there. So much to unpack. Right, but uh, f- finally, we got, uh, we got the final few messages here, uh, which are on the subject of fairy tales spilling into real life with photographic evidence. Wait, what? This has been coming up recently, Adam. So first up, we have this message from Shabnam Barami. Hello, Adam and Matt. My friends and I were taking a walk in a Canadian provincial park when I spotted this and I had to share my tiny joy of the day with you. I'm 99.9% sure some magical elves had recently helped a girl with a pure heart and paper-thin clothes collect strawberries for her evil stepmother in the middle of winter and they forgot to clean the evidence. 
As for the other 0.1% chance, whoever did this, regardless of their intention, definitely made my day. Oh. She enclosed a picture. I'm going to show Adam. Oh, what's this? Are you able to describe what you're seeing? A strawberry in a tree? In the snow. Yeah. It must be elves, right? Well, absolutely, it's elves. It's a strawberry on... Is it on a branch? Yeah. It's, it's in the tree somehow. A pl- Like a really plump red strawberry. And like you say, yeah, in the middle of considerable amount of snow. Yeah, that snow looks deep. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, this is a, obviously a reference to The Three Little Men in the Woods. Yeah. Very early story we did where the girl had to collect strawberries in the winter. And, yeah, Shabnam's just stumbled across that. Strawberries in the snow. It's real, Matt. It's real. It's actually real. Well, the realness continues. We had another message from a fellow Grimmer. Mm -hmm. An anonymous fellow Grimmer. Dear both, thank you for your brilliant podcast. Thank you for the warmth and joy you bring into every reading. You make my day. Funny story. This morning, I was listening to the mouse and the cat in partnership while walking my dog when I looked down and saw a little door in a tree. Hang on. A grim story turned into reality. I've included a picture of their cute little house to this email. Lastly, I'm wondering whether you've got a Spotify list of the music you use for your podcast. Simply love it. Warm regards, a fellow Grimmer. Adam, I'm going to show you the picture attached. Whoa, it's a tiny little door. It's a tiny like little in door. Like the, in the base of the trees, sort of in between the roots. That's an elf's home, right? If I ever, don't know of if any other... ever I've seen one, yeah. that's an elf's home. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, fairy tale world spilling over into real life. It's all real. <laughs> it's all real, people. <laughs> this is blowing my mind. Wow, thank you very much. To everyone for yeah. all those messages. Amazing. Um, and thank you to everyone else who sent messages as well. Sorry if we haven't read them. Uh, there's just too many. But um, it's always a treat to receive uh, correspondence. And yeah, we'll yeah. still be checking it over the summer as well. So... Don't hesitate to get in touch Absolutely. while we're away. Now, that last email, Adam, there was asking about Spotify. Ah, interesting question. Oh, and that brings us perfectly onto the next order of business. The Series 4 Spotify playlist is now live on Spotify. Is it? Yeah. What, literally right now as we're recording? Yep. That's exciting. It is exciting. Who's put this together, Matt? I have. <laughs> Fantastic. So we sprinkle music throughout our episodes, obviously, and now you can find them all in one handy place for your listening needs. Adam, I'm talking Brahms. Oh, yeah. Beethoven. Bach. Robert Schumann. No. Outside Germany, we've got Debussy, Stravinsky, Tchaikovsky. What? Uh, Prokofiev. Prokofiev's in there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That was a, that was a highlight, I think, of the yeah. series. It's been a good season for music. Oh, yeah. I'd like to say. I think it's one of our best playlists. So we do this every series. You can uh, you can hear the uh, series one, two, three, and now four playlist on oh, Spotify. Fantastic. Yeah, good. So there's yeah. some there's some serious hits on there. Dance Macabre. Dance Macabre is on there. Yeah. Yes. Now, that's the other thing. I think it's uh, it's been a bit of uh, there's been a few musical revelations for yeah. me this year. So we've got two pieces on the playlist in this series by uh, Camille Saint-Saëns. 
who I had never really heard of before, the, a French um, composer, uh, The Dance Macabre, which was from Brother Lustig episodes. Yep. An amazing song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also he did The Carnival of the Animals and we had The Swan in oh, The Six right. Swans. Stunning piece of music. Amazing, yeah. Another revelation, Dvorak. Had, uh, we've had, I think, two of his pieces are in there and we haven't used him much before. He soundtracked Beauty and the Beast. And we've also had our first ever Mendelssohn. Oh. In Little Red Riding Hood. Excellent choice. I, I have my usual favourites. The ones yeah. I usually reach to when I'm in a bit of a bind. Yeah. I'm talking Brahms. <laughs> you're talking, I was talking Brahms earlier. Now <laughs> you're I'm, talking Brahms. I'm talking Brahms. Uh, <laughs> a little bit of Beethoven. Yep. We've got the usual favourites in there, but uh, a few little standout extra ones, I think, this year. Yeah. It's an envelope-pushing playlist, is what I'm trying to say. Totally. Yeah. So how can people find that, Matt? Well, if you go to Spotify, just search for Series 4 Grim Reading Soundtrack and enjoy. Sounds good. I'll be going there just as soon as I (laughs) download Spotify. Shall I burn you a CD of uh, the playlist? (laughs) Yes, please. I can do that for you. That would suit me fine. Send it by Pigeon. Okay. Oh, poor Pigeon. (laughs) Carrying a big CD. Series four is uh, is now wrapped up. We're getting ready to go off on our summer break, and we'll be returning later in the year for series five. However, we've got a little bit of a problem. Oh dear! The Brothers Grimm fairy tales is in two volumes, and we've only been making our way through volume one this whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we've been sort of chugging along for a while now, and suddenly. We're very low on Volume 1 stories. Uh Uh-oh. In fact, we have only seven left, which isn't really enough for a series. It's not enough to fill a whole series. And that's a crazy thing to think we're seven stories shy of finishing the first volume. Incredible. Amazing. So, of course, you might be thinking we could obviously just have started Volume 2. That would help to make a series. We could do that. It seems like an obvious solution. But we don't do obvious here. No. <laughs> oh, no. If there's a convoluted way of doing things, we'll find it and we'll do it. So what's going to happen is we're going to have those seven stories and a Christmas episode. And that should all be wrapped up by the end of January next year. At which point we'll have ranked and reviewed every single Brothers Grimm story from volume one. Important to say here, that includes all the famous stories. Yeah. There aren't really any top-tier famous stories in Volume 2. So, at that point, we'll have a completed list of scored Volume 1 stories, 
essentially the definitive ranking, the definitive guide oh, yeah. to the best and worst Grimm stories. Oh, there's no doubt. Well, I mean, there's a slight doubt because we've been talking and we are highly flawed individuals. And just Adam and me marking these doesn't feel like the definitive score of no the grim stories absolutely and you know scoring a story within the last few episodes how do you then compare that to a story that we scored three years ago Mm. Mm -hmm. maybe there's a solution for that hey maybe there is to decide which is the greatest grim story we're going to have a public playoffs pitting all the stories against each other and after a grueling battle, finally crowning one story, the best ever grim tale. Oh, that's exciting. We're having a full-on tournament. Yes, we are. A <laughs> grim tournament. It's a grim off. So there's going to be like heat stages. Yep. We, we can't, we've just about figured it out already. Yeah. We've been scrawling on bits of paper and it looks <laughs> like it will work. I think it will work. Uh, it's going to look something like the World Cup, essentially. I think so. But you know, more details on this later in the year. Yeah. But we just wanted to say we're probably going to have a sort of short series five of uh, seven stories. And then we're going to have this grim tournament. Yeah. So basically, basic, pretty much the second half of uh, of series five will be this tournament. Exactly. Which yeah. makes sense. And then rounds it out to a mm-hmm. nice, uh, mm-hmm. nice even five series. I'm really excited about the tournament. I think it's going to be yeah. a lot of fun. Oh, we're both pumped for it. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea is that it will be open to everyone, like public voting. And we're yeah. going to figure out how to do that. But uh, it should be fairly straightforward. And there are ideas as well for like other stuff we can do within those episodes as well. So we'll have episodes yeah. sort of probably like comparing, rounding up the stories, comparing them and seeding them and putting them into battles with each other. But we'll put some other stuff in those episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully that's the idea. But before then, we've got seven stories left to read, as mentioned. Now, unfortunately, that kind of messes up our regular story-choosing method for various reasons. So, for Series 5, we've decided that Cinderella, which is our one remaining famous story, that's going to be the final story of the series. We've broken with regular convention. We've discussed it. That's going to be the last one. And that leaves six to go. Yes. Now, usually, Grim Reading patrons of $1 a month and upwards get to vote in our story polls and choose every fourth story we read. This time, we're leaving it entirely up to patrons. We're putting all six stories in one patron poll that will be running over this summer. And we'll then read the stories in the order of most votes to the least. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I, I'm i ceding a lot of power over to the listeners here. Yeah, I mean, you're essentially relinquishing all your stories using power. Yeah. For the remainder of, uh, yeah, the volume. <sighs> it's going to take a little bit of adjusting, but I think, think, yeah. I, can do it. I, think I can do it. Uh, I'm Sort of an leaving, existential crisis? Uh, oh, just a only, little one. Only a little bit. But I'm leaving it in the very capable hands Absolutely. of our listeners. So. Okay, so that's the series finale sorted. Cinderella. But as you say, that leaves six stories so the remaining six stories other than cinderella to hear in series five are faithful john the valiant little tailor 
The tailor in heaven. Frederick and Catherine. <laughs> the two brothers. And the old man and his grandson. Hey. Some of these are fairly familiar. They might have popped up on Patreon polls uh, previously. <laughs> yeah, the old man and his grandson is a consistent loser <laughs> oh. to the Patreon poll. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be interesting. I wonder if it's, that's really... Those are basically, Adam, the ones that you haven't really wanted to hear, by and large. Obviously, yeah. some of them have fought in the polls. Yeah. I think the Valiant Little Taylor has as well. I mean, that, there's no getting around that. These are ones you don't really want to hear. These are the dregs. This is the dregs. <laughs> <laughs> so we've left, we've left the worst to last. And they're going to become increasing dregs because we'll yeah. read the one that wins yeah. the poll will be the first one. And then the penultimate episode will be the least. It'll just be the worst, <laughs> the worst title. But then award. it will lead into Cinderella. Exactly. So we, yeah. we're, not, we're not total idiots. There's what, what, one of those story titles. It's amazing you haven't picked it because I've always thought it's the most dull sounding story in the entire collection. Frederick and Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds so dull. <laughs> it could be amazing though. It could be a Hansel and Gretel style adventure. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. Another brother and sister adventure. I mean, the, t- the Taylor ones. I, I think that's a crime that they haven't been picked. The Valiant Little Taylor. How little is the Valiant Little Taylor? Well, Adam, exactly. Who might it be? Oh, maybe it's a little guy we've been missing. You know who I'm thinking? You know what I'm talking about? No. Matt, are you hinting at what I think you're hinting at? Yeah. What? I mean, I don't know the answer. Oh, okay. I thought you knew... Oh, no, 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 I'm not giving anything away. Of no, I, don't, I don't know anything. Mm. I don't know anything until you pick. <laughs> I really take that very seriously. <laughs> I don't read these or anything about them. I'm very fingers in my ear, la, 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 yeah. even if I come across them somehow. Thumbs in your ears? Well. 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 No, there might be. there might be a thumb somewhere. <laughs> a little thumb. <laughs> what is that? It could be thumbling. That's what I'm saying. Okay, it could be thumbling. Yeah. Oh, my. So, we're going to put all those in the patron poll. Yeah. Um, the poll will be live the day after this episode comes out, and it will be running for four weeks exactly. So, there's a bit of time to ruminate. Yeah. And uh, choose wisely. Yeah. So those six stories are going to be going in the Patreon poll. And I think due to the limitations in the Patreon poll system, then what we're going to have to do is um, have those six options. You can only vote for one. You vote for your favorite sounding uh, story title there. And then we're going to tally them up and basically Mm -hmm. rank them in order of what's got the the most votes to the least votes. And they will get read out and uh, in that order, in that order. And that's the way we're going to have to do things. Because annoyingly, you can't rank it by preference. Or That would be the best way of doing yeah, it. And then we get would. a true idea of preferential rankings, which this won't give. But it's it will still give an indication of mm-hmm. what titles are really speaking to people. That's going to be a, a pretty wild poll. So, uh, yeah. And, and that's available, as I said, to patrons of $1 a month upwards. So, yeah. If you fancy getting voting, you can join for $1 a month. Fantastic. In the meantime, though, while that's running, and over the next few months, we're going to be on our summer break from the main podcast. Yeah. But we'll still be releasing episodes, won't we? We will indeed. We're going to be cranking out content for patrons through the summer. Now, Adam, would you care to remind me of our patron tiers real quick? Real quick, then. For $1 a month, Mm -hmm. you'll become a grim reading 
elf. Ooh. Elves get to vote in our story polls, as we mentioned before. For $5 a month, you'll become a grim reading fox. Wow. You'll gain access to our monthly Grim Fables podcast, as well as being able to vote in the polls. For $10 a month, you'll join the ranks of the Grim Reading Wolves, where you get all that and a Grim Reading mug featuring our iconic artwork created by the artist Ruth Spear. And finally, for $25 a month, you'll become an elite Grim Reading Huntsman slash woman, where you'll get to vote in the story poll, get access to the Grim Fables podcast, and you will get a mug and a Grim Reading t-shirt. So... Oh, the rewards are not endless, but they are vast. <laughs> Indeed. But they're carrying on, though, Adam. As well as all that, over the summer, patrons uh, of $5 a month upwards, the foxes and upwards, will get to hear our second ever special episode, The Little Mermaid. Oh, that is exciting. That has been heavily teased for some time. <laughs> and it's finally going to happen run an incredible teaser campaign <laughs> I got people so hyped for it oh yeah yeah <laughs> it won't, won't let you down I promise <laughs> some people haven't slept for months man. <laughs> so just to explain we have uh, special episodes of none Brothers Grimm stories uh, we did the Pie Piper last year now we're doing the Little Mermaid yep. as well as that we're going to have our third installment of our Q&A yes <laughs> Uh, <laughs> plural we've done two of those uh, throughout the start of this year and uh, we've yeah. got another one coming over this summer they're, they're good fun pretty good fun yeah and as well as that we're also going to get cracking on a few other projects too Ooh. for higher tier patrons yeah this is the first time I'm announcing this uh, publicly Adam we've got an eight episode limited mini series in the works the Voyages of Sinbad the Sailor. Whoa! Whoa! Oh, don't pretend you haven't heard about it. No, before, I don't. I've heard this a lot. I actually forgot that we've never mentioned this to anyone except each other. No, we've mentioned it to patrons. We just oh. haven't mentioned it publicly. Yeah, I don't remember anything. But that's really exciting. I know Matt's really excited to go into I, those stories. I'm so. I told you. I when I came up with this idea, I couldn't sleep. <laughs> I was so excited to read you the Sinbad the Sailor story. It was like Christmas Eve. Honestly, I've no idea what to expect, but I'm really yeah. excited. So the idea is we're going to start recording those. We don't know if we'll have time to edit them and get them out, but yeah. we're going to get that going, basically, over the summer. And how will someone be able to get access to those episodes? To really avoid confusion, they're not out yet. We will announce when they're coming out. They will be available for patrons of $10 a month and upwards so that's right. for the very higher tier pages yeah. because that's at the moment extra reward yeah because at the moment you get a um, merch you get a mug and a t-shirt but we kind of want to give a little bit more yeah um maybe in the fullness of time we'll make that available to buy as a one-off thing sure. but for now it's just a sort of glint in the eye okay wow so, uh, such a busy episode it my really goodness is. well finally finally we have a few more patrons to welcome to grim castle since our last patron shout out so adam before i leave you on this fair spring day and head off for distant shores could you give this some real welly please that's kind of how i want to remember you over the summer passionate well we would both like to extend a huge thank you to all of our lovely patrons thank you so much for your support over this last year and at this time in particular to Brittany shoop 
Clay Caps, Halle Coots, Shane Rooney, and Zia Stumpf. Thank you very much, everyone. Amazing. Ah, the passion, Adam. I loved it. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting us. Adam, I, I'm sorry, I can't uh, hold my steed back any longer. I'm out no. of here. What, what, you, you got any plans over the, over the summer? Are you, uh, you on any quests or anything? I'm going to be yeah? sat in the garden. Oh. Of a distant uh, sort of a palace, of a, uh, watching a, a jousting. So what are you? I should be watching the birds. Oh. At Grim Castle. At Grim Castle. You know what? That sounds pretty good, actually. And I'll make sure that the fire is well stoked for your return. And I shall be sure to send you a postcard. And on that note, <laughs> keep it grim, everybody. Keep it grim. Have a great summer. Bye. Bye. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to patreon.com slash grimreading to find out how, and also see the range of benefits available as a thank you from us. You can, of course, email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at grimreadingpod, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook, at grimreading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading, and we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim.